Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our lesson for today comes to us from today's gospel lesson with these words. The Samaritan woman left her water jar behind. She went into the city and she told all the people there, Come and see a man who has told me everything that I have ever done. Could he be the Christ? And this is the very word of our God as it is found for us in John chapter 4. Well, again, as Pastor Don said, this is the third week of the Great Commission season. We've taken a look at past history, how brothers and sisters who have gone on before us have proclaimed the gospel and let their light shine. And the purpose of all of this is to help us better understand how we can let our light shine, what we can learn from them. So far we've taken a look at the wise men. Last week we looked at Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Wherever he went, he told people to remain faithful to Christ, to be steadfast in purpose. And today we look at a time frame between 100 and 1500 A.D. That's a lot of time. But during that time frame... The gospel message of Jesus Christ moved beyond the Middle East and the Holy Land to such places as Europe and Asia and Northern Africa. You know, when I think about that, I think about the fact that many of our ancestors came from those places. And I often think to myself, I wonder who were my uh, first ancestors who heard for the very first time the gospel. And I wonder what their reaction was to it. Well, thank God missionaries in every time, in every age, have gone beyond themselves to different people and to different places. Sometimes they went willingly, but sometimes they went because they were persecuted. We read about how the early Christians were persecuted in Jerusalem. They fled to a place called Antioch. That persecution continued on and on and on. Sometimes when we think about persecution, we think about all of the people today. We see those images around the world of people, our brothers and sisters, who are persecuted because of their faith. Rather than inhibiting the spread of Christianity, it seems as though persecution has furthered the spread of the gospel. There was an important person in the church by the name of Tertullian. He wrote somewhere between the end of the second and the beginning of the third century about Christians who were persecuted. He spoke about the church's persecutors when he said this. He said, we multiply every time we are mown down by you. For literally, the blood of Christians is like seed. Another guy, a couple of centuries after that, by the name of Jerome, observed this. He said the church of Christ has been founded on the shedding of its own blood. Not that of others, but enduring outrage, not inflicting it. Persecution has always caused the church to grow. You know, that's more than just interesting, isn't it? Persecution. None of us likes to think about persecution. But as Christians endured periodic waves of persecution between 100 and 1500 A.D., they continued to mature 
and they continue to spread the gospel message. The other thing we learn about this is as Christians went to new areas, they were always running into false religions and pagan gods, false gods, that needed to be encountered with the gospel. That's why the creeds were often developed during those years. Because the creed was a summary of the Christian faith. The Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed were all literally intentionally written to counteract these false and pagan doctrines. But you know what? Always, 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 the message of Christ crucified and risen again from the dead always provided a better way of life than any of these false religions. As Pastor Don said, God's Word proclaims the value that He places on every single individual. Irregardless of their social standing, irregardless of their age, their gender, irregardless of their nationality or even their culture, the inclusiveness of the Gospel is that it reaches out to all people. And why is that? Because God desires what? All people to be saved. In the chapter before this one, John chapter 3, what do we read? Those famous words from John 3.16. God so loved what? The world that He gave His only Son. So if you have your Bibles with you today, I would ask that you would open them to John chapter 4. This is a familiar account of the woman at the well. A conversation that Jesus has with this Samaritan woman. It's an excellent text to emphasize the inclusiveness of the Gospel. Now think about this woman. As Pastor Don said, she felt like an outcast. A leftover. I don't know if you get any leftovers in your refrigerator yet from Christmas. You know, they get pushed to the back. Leftovers. They get forgotten. They become stale. They become molded and unwanted. You know, the woman at the well was one of those leftovers. She was a leftover, an outcast, first of all, because she was a Samaritan. And, and the Jews had no use for Samaritans. And I hate to say this, but at that time, she was also a woman, and rabbis at that time, don't blame me, rabbis considered women to be unteachable. Not only that, she had five husbands and a live-in boyfriend. Again, she was an outcast. That's why she came to the well in the middle of the day when none of the other women would have been there. Now, I'm sure that if we're honest with ourselves, we can relate to this woman in one way or another. Because you know what? In her life, we see our own sins and our own sorrows. The things that we have done that make us feel like leftovers and outcasts. At times we feel unwanted. Sin has a way of doing that in our life. You know, if there's one thing that I know about this sin-filled world, whether it was in 100 A.D. or 1500 or even 2017, is that sin creates barriers. Now, if you ever doubted that, all you had to do was watch television the last couple of days. Walls 
that separate us from one another. In Jesus' day, there were barriers. All kinds of them. It's nothing new. There were barriers between Jews and Samaritans. Between Gentiles and Jews. Between men and women. Between people who were free and people who were slaves. Between people who were rich and people who were poor. Between nations and cultures. And yes, there were even barriers between God and His people. Imagine you're living between 100 and 1500 A.D. And imagine you tell your relatives that you're going to the end of the earth, so to speak, to northern Europe. And that you're going to take the gospel to those people there. And what's the reaction of your relatives? Are you nuts or what? We've heard these people are dangerous. We've heard that they're not civilized. And besides that, why would you take the gospel to people who don't deserve it? Think about Jesus. What does Jesus do? He engages people wherever He goes. And most of the time, He engages outcasts because the fact of the matter is that's what we all are in our sin. Think about some of the outcasts that He engaged besides the woman at the well. Think about the tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. Or think about the guy who was demon-possessed. Or the blind man. Or the lame. Or the list goes on and on and on and on. You know, every person that walks into this church, they want to be accepted. And yet, they're often burdened with the same feelings that this woman had. Because sin makes us outcast. But the good news is God values us. He has accepted us because of what He has done for us. In Jesus, God offers living water that wells up to eternal life for all who believe in Him. You know, often we take pride in our family history, our genealogy, our family tree. Maybe we're proud of the town that we're from. You know, even the woman at the well, she was proud of her town. She was proud of its history because there was an important thing in her town. What was it? Jacob's well. Jacob's well had been there already for 2,000 years. She was proud of her heritage. But when Jesus started describing her life, five husbands and another guy that she's living with, she was not proud of her own life and her past sins. She knew that she was a sinner and she recognized that she needed a Savior. That's the message for us. We too must recognize that we are sinners. Just as Jesus confronted the woman at the well, so it is that He confronts us today through His Word. He confronts us with the law as well as the gospel. He doesn't dredge up our past sins uh, literally to shame us, but rather He does so to show us our need, our desperate need for Him. The woman at the well needed a Savior, 
People all over the world need a Savior. You need a Savior. And I need a Savior. Think about this. When Jesus took a cup of water from the woman at the well, that showed how far He was willing to go to reach out and touch people. You know, there are no people that are beyond His concern or His care. And Jesus demonstrated His concern and His care for you and me in the fact that He would make that long journey from Bethlehem ultimately to a cross to die in our place. You know, there He would pay for this woman's sin and for our sins. The Samaritan woman, like the wise men, like Barnabas, like the people who lived between 100 and 1500 A.D., they would not keep the light of the Gospel to themselves. They would carry it to others. The woman at the well is a primary example to us of a living Savior and of a living message that is too good to keep to oneself. What does she do? She goes back into town, the people who have no use for her. And she says, come and see a man who has told me everything that I have ever done. Could he be the Christ? Again, what an awesome lesson for us. Think about the opportunities that God is placing before you and before this church. This morning we will have the privilege of hearing about some of those unique opportunities that God is placing before us in the months and the year to come. You know, early Christians understood this. But does that mean that they always did it? No. Sometimes what happens is these early Christians sometimes became complacent in their faith, which only added to the darkness of the dark ages. Inclusiveness. It's an important concept in our society, and rightly so. But ask yourself, how inclusive are we? How inclusive are we? Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. How inclusive are we toward those yet to be born? How inclusive are we toward the frail or the differently labeled? You know the answer to that question as well as I do. You know, how can we as a nation confess our belief in life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for all people, inclusiveness, and yet some people have no voice, and some people have no rights even to life itself. Our sinful society lives by the philosophy, it's pretty simple, do whatever you want to as long as it makes you feel good. That really is the, the mantra of uh, secular humanism. Do whatever you want to as long as it makes you feel good. Why? Because secular humanism would say that you and I are God. But what does God say? God places value on each person. He not only created them, He gives them life. And He would give them the life of His one and only Son. He wants to gather people from every nation, tribe, people in language, before His throne. 
So my prayer today is this, that our attitude and our actions toward those who are different from us would change from judging them or abandoning them to seeing them as valued by God. So let's pray for the Holy Spirit's guidance. That God the Holy Spirit would give us eyes and glasses like what He has. In His name we ask it, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is so difficult for us uh, to, uh, not to be judgmental. Every time we turn on our television set, every time we listen to the news, every time we interact with people, help us, Lord, to understand the inclusiveness of the Gospel. and Help us to understand and to live the, with, the, uh, with the eyes of God that You value each human life and You desire all people to be saved. So Lord, empower us by the Holy Spirit to do just that here in this place as we seek to glorify You through our worship, our witness, the study of His Word and His work so that all people might become loyal followers of you. In Jesus' name we ask it, and all of God's people said, Amen.